The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. P Nate and Pooty on Zoom doing it, doing the best we can. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been hard time. to get together and uh, and record. I mean, uh, life was busy for me when the church was half this size, so it's uh, uh, it's good kind of busy, but it's uh, it's been crazy. Here, here's we're like we're like fine wine though, because like um, <laughs> you know you bottle it, you got to wait for it to really like be really good. And so like, that's how you guys should be looking at the rebels right now. Like just be thankful when you get anything right wow. now. Like, wow. That is so pretentious, but, uh, but okay. Pretentious? If right? anybody is saying, Oh yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's fair. Then, then clearly we've done our job. So, um, okay. I'll, I'll take that. I, I don't mind being compared to vintage wine or a good, I sure went with good scotch. 12 year scotch. Yeah. yeah there you go. I should have went with that. That's all right. Um, how you do, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, yeah, it's been a busy day. Had lots of meetings and some counseling stuff for the church, but uh, I'm in my my office here uh, and uh, recording with you is, uh, is a nice little break up to the day. Um, we are the Rebels. Uh, you might be listening to us on our own feed, but we are also part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Uh, we're up here in Canada alongside Aaron Rock and Chris Eelman, which is the uh, Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock. Um, if you'd like to... Uh, Support the show. You can get a club membership at fight fflfnetwork.com. You're, Become a you're club about to member. Be like, you're support. about to be like FML? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, so uh, you can go there, become a club member, and that helps the network. Anything that helps the network help, helps us. You can also go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash reformedrebel. Um, but uh, we are the Rebels, and uh, we're here to help you engage culture with a biblical worldview. So how are you doing, Pudi? I never asked you. You do never. I've noticed. I'm just kidding. I'm doing great, man. Um, everything's just super busy right now with all this. Like, I, I, I think the world forgets that all the extra restrictions mean that everything takes longer to do everything. Right. So like, yeah. um, there's just so many little things that are just like delayed because of the fact that like, um, there's all this garbage happening in the world, which is super annoying. So, um, other than that, I'm doing great though. I can't really complain. I'm always better than I like feel better than I probably should. Um, too you used to say shot. that all the time when I would be like, how you doing? You're like better than I deserve. I always thought that was a really, you know, spiritual gospel centered answer. <laughs> I, I stole it from CJ Mahaney. Oh, okay. um, out of his book. Um, but now the, the new one is too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> like how you doing? I'm too blessed to be stressed, man. That's funny. So. You should just respond with hashtag blessed. <laughs> I think that speaks more to our generation. <laughs> hashtag blessed. I, mean, yeah. I could. I should. Um, hey, I got some. I got some rebel news. I got. I got something for you. This is a, an article. I'm going to read it. This is on um, uh, CP24 News, uh, and so uh, here's the subtitle. I, I, I'm reading it, but I want to put it on split screen here so I can see your reaction. Um, herd immunity no longer possible without vaccinating young children, says Public Health Ontario. So I'm going to read this. This is written by uh, uh, a content a web content writer named uh, Chris Herhalt, uh, and it was published uh, just yesterday on uh, the 25th. So. Uh, achieving herd immunity against coronavirus will not be possible without an approved vaccine for children under 12, Public Health Ontario says in a new report about what the pandemic will look like this fall and winter. Due to the increased transmissibility and partial vaccine escape ability of the Delta B16172 variant, now dominant in Ontario and much of the world, 
the report says that the percentage of the population requiring vaccination to hit a point where virus transmission enters long-term decline now exceeds the number of people actual medically eligible for the vaccination at this time. The critical, the quote, the critical threshold for vaccination is now estimated to be at least 90% of the Ontario population and over 100% of the vaccine eligible population, Public Health Ontario says. The original target vaccination call uh, rate called for uh, to fully exit Ontario's reopening plan with 75% of people o- uh, over 12 fully vaccinated, 80% with at least one dose and no region with less than 70% fully vaccinated. Public Health Ontario says, vac- uh, says this vaccination target was developed against the characteristic of the alpha variant, which Ontario research now suggests was far less deadly than the delta variant. You often, quote, you often hear the general public people get upset when they say the goalposts keep changing. And the answer to that is yes, of course, the goalposts are changing because the virus is changing, um, says infectious disease specialist Dr. Isaac Bogosh to CTV Toronto News. This is much more transmittable variant which means that you have to vaccinate a greater proportion of your population in order to keep the virus under control. Part of how herd immunity threshold is calculated involves finding the virus's reproductive number, or its RO. Then it goes on to say, individuals under 12 years of age will not be vaccinated when they're expected to return to in-person learning in September, and therefore the population where the Delta variant will currently circulate is uh, more community-level public health measures uh, will not be lifted until there is a vaccine that's approved for ages 12 and under. So, Chris, herd immunity is impossible. Okay, let me, there's another vaccine for kids. No, I'm I'm not a doctor. So that's true. You're not. Like, you didn't go to school long enough. Um, that is well, no, I did, but it was just because I <laughs> didn't graduate. Oh, no, it's fine. Um, because you went like, for many different things. Many, many, many different things. Um, but no, no, like. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, but like when when as a parent, I remember being a kid and when chicken pox came around, you purposely brought every we had chicken pox parties. We were bring everybody over to get the kids the chicken pox so that they would build up an immunity for later in life. And then we would do the same thing with measles. I remember that being a thing. If anybody got the measles, everybody wanted the measles. And it was like, why? So that because the measles become deadly later in life. Right. right. And so like what what? I don't understand where the science is coming from. Cause I can't like, I don't even understand where this person's coming from because like one to the best of my knowledge in terms of everything I've read is under the age of 64, you have basically no chance of dying from this thing. Um, like yep. obviously there's always the outlier and there's the 0.01% that have underlying issues and those are tragedies and it happens, but like our kids are the safest people. Yes. So like we don't need them to be vaccinated because their immune system is going to kill this thing, which will develop into a natural immunity for all of us as they age. Um, but then two, they can't like they can they can catch it. And I guess maybe the the mindset is that they spread it to the older people. But like, at what point do we care at the at this point that the virus is even being spread when nobody at that age is even infected infectious? Like they can't really get any of the bad symptoms and die from it. But then two like. Correct me again, I'm not a scientist, so correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Feel free to comment. But in with viruses, there's no virus that's ever mutated to be more deadly. It's always less deadly based on like its its variations. It was is always been what I've told. Well, told like, well I I think I think there are viruses that can mutate to become more deadly, but I think it's like very rare. And um, generally, every time they mutate, they mutate by losing information and becoming less potent because a, a, a virus wants to infect, right? And so yeah, it actually, it actually live, right? yeah, it mutates in order to become more transmittable, which is what the Delta variant is. But in becoming less or more transmittable, generally, it, it loses potency. So it's less deadly, but more contagious, which is why we have a common cold still because it is mutated such that it's this very non-deadly, non-threatening virus. It's just mutated so much that it is so transmittable, so contagious, and so immune to general um, antibiotics or uh, um, antiviral 
things. So hmm. you look at that and you're like, so the Delta variant, they keep saying that it's more, even that article said it's more deadly. It's not more deadly. It's more transmittable, but it's less deadly. There's actually, um, CrossPolitik did a great episode uh, on this about two weeks ago. You can go onto YouTube or you can go onto your feed uh, where you listen to your CrossPolitik. And uh, they did one, it's just called the COVID special. Uh, and they had Dr. Richards and Dr. Cole on there. And they both talked about the Delta variant um, as epidemiologists, as virologists, as the doctors that we aren't. And they talked about this and they, they essentially said exactly what you said, that this virus will mute, has mutated. The Delta variant is more transmittable, but less deadly. And interestingly, it's actually the, these half-assed vaccines that, um, that cause the virus to mutate, right? Because, yeah. because they give you a spike protein that helps you fight off the, um, uh, the, the virus. And so the virus mutates so that it can get around these things. So it's interesting that the unvaccinated are now public enemy number one. And interestingly, now even you know kids who are unvaccinated are slowly, uh, slowly becoming vac- um, public enemy number one. But it's just so interesting that every time we hit a threshold, and this is kind of what I want to get at with this. There's some people who are listening to us who, who listen to this podcast who might have disagreed with our stance on COVID, what we've thought about COVID and everything. But I just want you to think back to every single measurable, whether it was two weeks to flatten the curve, whether it was, you know, not overloading our hospitals, whether it was death totals, which changed to case totals, which changed to positive PCR tests, which, which then, you know, the, the roadmap to reopen started being about cases per 1,000 of the population. And then that became percentage of the population vaccinated. And now we've hit all these thresholds. We should be back to normal. And yet, now they're changing the goalposts again. And, and I get that that writer is clever enough to anticipate the pushback and, and use that language to, to dismiss it. But yes, viruses change. This is nothing new. This is why we have flu seasons and different flu shots every year because viruses change, viruses mutate. But have any of the thresholds that they have promised, once we pass this, things will get back to normal. Has any of that happened? Or does every single time they come up with a new goal? And that's exactly what's happening. Exactly. And so, and part of the, I, I, I truly believe that part of this all has to do with how much money very powerful people are making. Like at the yeah. end of the day, Pfizer is raking it in. All the doctors who have patents on these, these I'm doing scare quotes with the uh, vaccine, all these vaccines, the people who hold these patents are, are getting like stupid rich. And then you look at that and you're thinking, all of the big box stores, all of the Amazons, all these places are skyrocketing, right? It's all the small guys that are, are suffering through COVID. Politicians are lining their pockets. Big box stores are lining their pockets. Doctors and big tech and big pharma are, are lining their pockets. Like what motivation do they have to get out of this? So you want to know what I honestly think happened? I, I don't think it has a, anything to do with herd immunity. I think it has everything to do with them saying, we made a ton of money vaccinating all the adults. Let's see if we can get some vaccines in kids now. That seems lucrative. Yeah, I think I think you're bang on. Even though, like, what you said, even sitting here, it sounds conspiracy theory. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like we're the, I have we're... something to say about that, but keep going. No, no, no. I I'm yeah. I I I say it sounds it, but it like do you, like if you look at the insanity of the the world, the only logical explanation is the opposite of whatever they're they're saying at this point. If they're like, um. When when you when you see craziness out there and you're just like okay well none of this makes sense none of this makes any kind of sense so therefore the opposite must be the accurate answer and so like what you're saying is like yeah it's about money it's about um, you know more control all the all these other things well that is the only logical way to look at this because everything we said previously like, it doesn't kill kids it's all the goalposts keeps keeps changing they keep changing what the savior is so yeah. do you remember do you remember it was the, when this first came out, it was two weeks. Stay home for two weeks and it'll yeah. be gone. We'll be fine. Then yeah. it was, you know, go out, but six feet, six feet apart. I'm getting the, like the dates, yeah. the, yeah, the yeah, order wrong. And then it was masks, 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 even though everything previously was like masks don't work. 
that changes the mass. If everybody masks up and all the unmasks or maskers mask, then you know we'll be fine. We'll eradicate it. It'll be fine. Then it was mask and stay home. Yeah. And then it was and then it was like get your Wear vaccine. a mask at home. <laughs> like, Remember okay. when Fauci said that you can? Oh, never mind. When he was talking about you can have sex with your wife with a mask on. Yeah. Like Fauci think, actually said these things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, always, continue. Uh, continue. Yeah. So, but I'm saying, and then and then you and then you play those like changing goalposts on that one side like what's the answer to this like what's the solution to the problem and then you play into the fact well then there's the vaccine that's not approved but like and if you actually go and read about the vaccine it doesn't prevent the spread of covid at all it no. just minimizes the symptoms when you actually get the disease yeah so at this point like what does it matter if i like if i'm willing to take the risk of not getting the vaccine um which i'm sure we'll talk about at some point but i mean like and i get sick well I can't, it doesn't slow me spreading it down, spreading it around anyway, um, which is, I guess, why we need the masks and all this other other junk that doesn't work. Um, but my point is, is like, with all of this illogical and like, I think at this point, irrefutable stupidity that's happening in politics and in um, basically in the, the COVID narrative, the only explanation, therefore, is the opposite, which is what you're saying, is that it's not about COVID. It's not about all these things. It's a whole bunch of people started to be get rich and nobody's pushing back on this. So like, you know, if I, if I, if I have 10 people in a room and I say something outlandish, but nine of them are like, sounds good to me. Well, I'm not going to change my narrative. Even if what I said was completely ridiculous because nine out of 10 always will win the vote. You know what I mean? So like if nine out of every 10 people in Canada or in in the U S are like, I'm, I'm super petrified. I'll just do whatever they say because I want to get back to normal, which is what the conversation most people um, we've had with. A lot of the people who are soft on this issue, it's only because they're just like, well, if I just obey, it'll go away faster. It's not even that they believe it. It's just like, if I just submit and I do these things, I'll get back to normal faster. I'll get the vaccine so I can travel just so that I can get back to my regular life as fast as possible when really it's not a, like, it's just simply a compliance. I, I started going off on a tangent, but I'm basically saying like, I don't think you're being a conspiracy theorist at all to say it's about money. I think the only logical explanation is to look at this and be like, there are people in power whose only goal is to remain in power and well, they're in power to make themselves more wealthy. At this point, I think, that, I think it's obvious to everybody. That's, that's what's happening. And the people like us who are, going to get canceled for this and come out and say this end up being called crazy and radicals and um what's the word that they use on facebook now extremists extremists all all these things when all we're saying is like hey maybe maybe there's something to look at here you know what i mean like um yeah anyway sorry i went off on a no no well i I think that's i think i think yeah i think there's there's all that stuff and i think um you know it's it Anybody who doesn't think that, um, you know, I, I find that those who have the most faith in government and those who are so quick to call us conspiracy theorists or whatever, just for asking these kinds of questions, generally they don't have a, a, a firm grasp on the doctrine of total depravity, right? People are depraved. And so they're, they're sinful, they're greedy, they're, they're self-centered, they grasp at power. And, and we, you and I have had conversations with friends who are just like, well, what's the motivator? And we're like, well, power, greed, money. And they're just like, yeah, I have trouble believing that politicians are, are motivated by those things. I'm like, really? Yeah, it's because they, ha- they don't have a, a grasp on the doctrine of total depravity. Like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think what we're seeing now is um, the godlessness of those who are most powerful in our society. Yeah, ex- exactly. Think of it, think of it like... I, that that argument makes no sense to me. That people are like, well, I don't think that's what they're about. Think about it. Like every anybody who goes into politics, for the most part, obviously there's the one-off exceptions. Most people who go into politics are going in politics to lead. They yeah. want the power to do these things. They, I agree. They and so like the like their motivation to get into the field in the first place was to be in power. So like, it's like one of those things they're craving that power, even if they like, oh, I want to do good with my power. They're still craving the power. Whereas like, like truthfully, biblical leadership is what? Servanthood. Yeah. The people who become leaders are the ones who are the most servant-like of us. You know what I mean? And then those people get elevated to leadership because we want to follow somebody who wants to basically serve. Exactly. Who's will- so um, 
Like the truth is anybody who would want to run for prime minister and stuff like that, we probably shouldn't want that person in the first place. Okay. And I mean, we should <laughs> Chris, let's just totally scrap our topic for today and let's just, okay. let's just keep talking about this and then let's talk about politics because there is a there is an election coming up and so we should chat about that as well. So let's just do sure. that today, okay? We'll we'll save our our topic for next week. Um or whenever we get back into the studio. Um, okay, so I agree with you. And um, I think it's, I, so let's talk a little bit about these, these mandatory vaccines that, so we're already, we're already down the bunny trail talking about vaccines today. So let's just go full out and let's talk about this because I know there, um, I've been getting emails and calls and text messages from people in the church all week because more and more, it's just like once the first domino fell, once, once Justin Trudeau mandated, so for those of you who are our American listeners or those of you who don't know what's been going on in Canada, our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has mandated that all government employees must be vaccinated. Um, anyone without a legitimate medical uh, uh, reason for not getting vaccinated um, you know, will lose their job. And then he actually said a threat. He threatened the rest of Canada. And he said, um, and anybody else who's not a government employee, um, be ready, he said, to face the consequences of choosing to remain unvaccinated. That's literally what he said. When, when he was asked about like what sorts of, what, like what is it that you're threatening? And he talked about access to uh, public services, access to hospitals, access to post offices. Um, and, uh, and even he said, um, the ability to attend large indoor gatherings. So, I mean, if the writing's not on the wall, that there's a possibility that the government will try to mandate vaccines to all those who want to attend church services. I mean, we can't call that a conspiracy anymore because we're, we're at the place where there's vaccine passports in four provinces right now. So um, just for travel. So like, I mean, writing's on the wall here. Like, these vaccines are, are going to be coerced. They are, they are being coerced, and they are going to be mandated. And more and more employers are coming down. And I'm talking to more and more congregation members who say, hey, my work is making me. So let's just talk right now. What should Christians be doing who are facing this sort of coercion? And let's talk about it in a couple different levels. And let's separate it out just for the ease here. Um, what should people, Chris, be doing, do you think, Let's talk first about employment, and then we'll talk maybe about just relationally and family and neighbors and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about employment. So you're, you're working for a company, you get an email, you know, October 1st is your deadline to be vaccinated. We're, we're making all, all employees mandate the vaccine. What, what's happening, Chris? Yeah, what the, the, fir the first thing I, I, I would say, again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so this isn't legal advice, but the first thing I would say is, is basically express that you're like, I'm not going to do this. Like be nice about it. Don't be like, I like kind of like um, you in the grocery stores or whatever. You're not wearing a mask. You uh -huh. be above reproach in the way we handle this thing, right. but make, make them spell it out for us. So like what I would say is the very first thing. And like when I, I got the email, so, um, and I, I reached out to say that, but there you go. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Nobody from my work listens. Um, so like, <laughs> not that I'm aware of anyway. Um, but we got the, email. And like reach out, talk about it, ask the question, what's going to happen if I don't, um, that would be, I would say make the them first say thing. it. Make them right? say Cause, it. Get cause it on right record. now. And I've seen a few of these letters that people have forwarded me and that's what, what they're doing is they're not spelling it out. They're just saying that we are requiring that all um, all people are getting vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. But they don't say or else. They don't say we'll face termination or whatever. So make them say it. So they, absolutely. That's the first thing. Keep going. Yep. Yeah. I'd say that that's the that's the first thing. Um, second thing, I like I'm, I'm going to speak right now, assuming that people aren't like the people who I'm talking to aren't going to get aren't going to cave and get the vaccine. I'm talking to the people should, who are like, should we back up for a second, Chris? Why? Why don't we want to get vaccinated? Um, well, for the, for the record, like I'm not an anti-vaxxer. So like, what? you know what I mean? I, I'm not, I'm not I, an anti-vaxxer. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, I got two vaccines two years ago. You know what I mean? I got typhoid and dengue fever. You know what I mean? Cause I was going to, um, the Dominican Republic and those viruses can knock you out for a couple of weeks while you're down there. And I didn't want to be on a mission trip, not being able to contribute. So I got the, I got those vaccines. Those are vaccines though, that have been approved that have been tested, that have a track record of success, that have a known li small list of side effects that, you know, 
don't generally affect the population. It's been proven because they've been around for 15 to 20 years. They've been around for 30 years. They're approved by the FDA. Um, and they're like in common use, just like the flu shot every single, every single years. And now, so, you to jump in? Yeah, well, I, was, I just wanted to say really quickly because the Pfizer vaccine did just pass and get FDA approval. So do you have something to say about that or do you want me to keep going? Well, I was going to say it, 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 it passed assuming that they can provide other, other documentation down the road. But that's like approval is one small part of this. Like, right. So, so, and that's what I want to say. So I just want to make sure that we're making our case so that uh, as people like – there are some of our listeners who I'm sure are getting swept up in this like anti-vaccine, you know, flurry, and it's not good to get swept up in anything. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be clear about that. It's not good to be swept up in the conservative side of things or the, you know, we don't want to be swept up and caught up and and just being tribal in terms of well, what's my side think of the vaccine? Yeah, let's Peter, not be that Peter, way. Let's be. Informed. Peter tells us to be sober-minded, and that. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in. Yeah, there. no, you're right. Peter, Peter tells us to be sober-minded. That doesn't just mean like, don't be drunk, don't be high. Like, it also means to think clearly about everything. That's you know right. What I mean, to not get like you're saying, not get caught up in emotion, not get caught up in, in, like tribal mentalities. I would even say this could go as far as to like in sports, don't get caught up in like you know the us versus them and all those things. But that's a tangent yeah. for another day. Uh, but you're 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 dead on. Like we aren't we're supposed to be the clear thinkers in all situations. Right. So keep keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I want to say there's three reasons that I think Christians should um, should uh, fight against this vaccine. So like number one, I do think. So when you think about FDA approval, I want you to think as well that the FDA does approve. I was talking to my friend Jacob Rayom, who's a friend of the podcast, and he said this to me, and I was just like, oh, man, that's so clear. So right. He said, well, the FDA also approves hormone therapy for eight-year-olds, right, and and the morning-after pill as healthcare, right? So, So it's not like the FDA is operating out of a neutral worldview. They're not, okay? So that that's the first thing. The... The other thing is, look, if you look at that FDA approval, it's very interesting because there's a bunch of stuff that's supposed to be submitted to them in 2023 and in 2025. You, you can't rush. And the report even says that the long-term um, clinical trials have been rushed. If, if a, just, I, I want people to think about this. If a long-term clinical trial is rushed, it is no longer a long-term trial. <laughs> Right. Like that's that's the whole point there. So there's all kinds of those reasons that I, I do see skepticism and and people are right. Like the people who are saying, oh, you're not a scientist. You don't know. Yeah, you're right. I don't. I've listened to a whole lot of doctors who have concerns about this particular vaccine. It's not a vaccine in the traditional sense. It doesn't use your God given um, immune system. It uses a spike protein um, that um, that uh, probably you're going to have to get a booster shot year after year after year for this thing. So it's not a vaccine in the traditional sense. So all those people who are putting those posts up on Facebook saying like, oh, do you have, you know, do you have typhoid? Do you have yellow fever? No, the reason isn't is because, hey, vaccines work. So go get vaccinated. It's like, you haven't done your research. You don't, you don't know that this is actually a completely different scientific monster than the vaccines that you've listed. So I think that there are some some health and some safety reasons that Christians can oppose this. Yeah. And I, I would, I would jump in like before, just so anybody who isn't hearing what we're not saying, like the approval is one of the small facets of why we would, why I'm going to, why right. I'm not taking the, the virus. The other, the other thing is that like simple, simple fact is like, um, it's sphere sovereignty. You don't have, they don't have yes. the, the authority to tell me what to That's... do in my body. Just like, uh, like think about this. Imagine if you were, we were living in a time where they could like regulate how often I cough, how often I breathe, how often I do it. Like if they could be like, you can only eat cheese on these days. Like we would all rage against the stupidity of this. Like that was a very weird example, but um, <laughs> we would all rage against this. And we, we like, we rage against this stuff naturally. Like, um, any parent, like I have a dog, but like lots of parents don't, don't, don't take ki- Don't take candies from strangers is a, is a big thing. Like never take, don't take something because we care what goes in to our, our, our bodies. We're in control of these, these things. Right. Like, right. um, and so like, and you as a parent protect your child, your child here. So like I get to choose what I put into my own body. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, well, 
what's happening right now with the virus? Nobody's telling me and forcing me to get dengue fever or malaria or, you know, what other, what other vaccines I get when I go. I made those choices. They didn't, I wasn't stopped going on my trip. There's, they weren't like, you can't come into the country. You can't go on the trip if you don't get typhoid shot. I was like, no, I just don't want to get typhoid. And like, it's fine. Cause I, like I said, but this vaccine is different. One, it's yes. a totally different type of thing, but two, this is, they are forcing me to do something that I, I'm not, not okay with yeah. um, at this point. And they're basing it saying that I'm basically like they have sovereignty over my body to do so. That's right. Um, which let's, let's, let's pump, let's, let's point out in legal, like, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but in Canada, if I'm arrested for a crime, you cannot take my DNA, even if like as a, as a criminal, you can't take my DNA from me unless I give you permission to do so. Unless they go to court and the judge basically rules in Canada at the, like, I think it's the Supreme Court level in, in our provinces, that the only way I, that I can be convicted of the crime is, D, is DNA. And the, and the criminal like lawyers have to prove to the point that the that I'm beyond reasonably it's beyond reasonable doubt that I've committed this crime and they want DNA DNA to prove it um, be like beyond a shadow of a doubt that's the only time that can and they have a court has a rule what they're what we're saying right now with this virus is that they're saying like um, they can't take my DNA but they can force something into me right and I'm like well no they don't have that they don't have that right. authority just like they didn't have the authority in the church sorry I realize you want to talk no no um, it's good keep going. Just like they didn't have the authority to tell us what to do in our churches, what what we can preach in our churches, what we can do. They don't have the sovereignty to tell me what I can take and put into my body. That is just not their sphere. Their sphere. And the governments, and this is the problem, is that we haven't elected healthcare professionals to lead us. We've elected politicians, um, and those point. politicians don't have the authority. They're, they're stepping outside the authority that God has given them to lead our country. That's right. So – so amen and yes to all of that. And um, like whenever somebody is saying that they can forcibly do something to your body, like like inject some chemicals into your body and they have the right to do that, they're claiming ownership, right? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's an ownership claim. And so to submit to that is to acquiesce to the ownership of the state over individual citizens, right? So scripture would say that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you belong to God, that you are to present your body as a living sacrifice to God. He owns your body. But to, but to say that the government has a right to force or coerce vaccines is to say that they actually have authority. They actually have ownership rights over your body. And ultimately, uh, scripture is very, very clear on this. You can look at uh, Romans 14. You can look at 1 Corinthians 1. Um, you can look at 1 Corinthians 8. Um, God owns your body, and you'll stand before God and give an account for your body, um, not the state. So, so it's, it's not just that you, don't, you have a right to refuse. I actually think you have a God-given responsibility to at least push back against the coercion and the force. Now, you could choose to get the vaccine for yourself. I'm not saying that you, that you shouldn't. Um, I, I, I think that there are reasons to be skeptical. I think if I was in a very vulnerable demographic for um, having COVID you know, really affect me, if I was 82 and diabetic or something, then I, would, I might choose to get the vaccine. But the point is autonomy... Like choosing that is much different than being forced that. So every single Christian can choose for themselves whether or not they get the vaccine itself. But every single Christian, I think, has a biblical responsibility to oppose forced or coerced vaccination. They should be against vaccine passports. They should be against the coercion. They should be against the restrictions for the unvaccinated on scriptural grounds. And I don't think that's negotiable. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're bang on. Um, again, like, I'm not gonna get the vaccine. The question was, would I get it? But like, if my brother decides, like, I don't have a brother, but I mean, like, if my brother in Christ decides, you know what? I don't feel the same. I don't feel the same. I'm gonna get it. 
I might want to talk to him and be like, well, what about all these, these things? But like, if he chooses to do it, it's his, it's his decision. Just like when we were saying about the mask, if somebody chose to wear it, it it's their conscience that's letting them, letting them do that. Yeah. Um, but they, they do, like you're saying, they do have, they have to be on our side when it's about forced and forcing people to do it because that, that isn't a conscience issue anymore. I'm not allowed to make the choice. You're making the choice for me, which actually in Ontario is illegal, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's illegal to make somebody take medication if they're of sound mind to, and you can Google this. I, I challenge you guys, just Google, is it, is it legal to make somebody take med- medication in Ontario? The answer is no, unless they're not able to mentally understand the consequences of not taking it. Well, I understand the consequences of me not taking the COVID vaccine. Um, or if they're not in, if they're, um, yeah, basically if they're, if they're of, not of age to make the decision, which is another debate that they keep changing the age that you can, yeah. um, consent oh, they're, they're to about to state. mandate, uh, uh, vaccines for people under the age of 12. So that's, that's interesting. Ri- yeah. That, that's ridiculous. Like a 12 year old can't make any decisions, but that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, like all, all I'm saying is like, it's, it's actually illegal. It's also a war crime. If you, if you Google, like one of the things that were, um, like, I've gone super on the, but yeah. like, if you, if you Google what like was one of the things that the Nazis got charged for, and I'm not like, actually I am saying, I guess, but if you was the fact that they forced people in concentration camps to take experimental drugs, that they performed medical experiments on them. And at this point, like, I'm not saying the vaccine's a medical experiment, even though I think it is, but like um, forcing somebody to take something that they're not a party to is what the war what you get charged with the war crime so like right now our government is actually committing crimes against humanity, against humanity right and it's like w- wake up people right so so, so let's up. let's just talk to the our, our vaccinated friends and they are friends there's lots of people in our church who chose to get vaccinated for a variety of reasons um if you are vaccinated and you see that letter from your employer i think you also have a christian responsibility even though it doesn't affect you because you are vaccinated you should be responding and you 100%. should be saying, Hey, look, I am vaccinated, but I disagree. Or you can even say, I choose not to disclose whether or not I am vaccinated, but I totally oppose the fact that this, that you think this is your business or that you think you have the, um, the uh, authority to mandate this and, and state some of these reasons. And I think that's one of the ways that we can actually um, create unity in the church again because we have a whole lot of vaccinated, unvaccinated brothers and sisters in the in the churches, and one of the ways that um, we can begin to bridge those gaps is by supporting one another in our free, free like our our Christian liberties. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, like, I have I have nothing against any of the people who chose to follow the pro- protocols differently than I did, than I did during um, COVID during COVID still going on. Yeah, and just seriously. like, I have nothing, I have nothing against like people who have been, been vaccinated. That's great for you. That's if you're putting your trust in that, that's okay. That's not a, that's not a problem to, <laughs> to me. You know, it doesn't, uh, it's just not something I'm going to do. Um, but like on the, on the area of coercion, this is not an op like, this is something we all need to fight against. Right. I mean, like we we all have to be on the same same side here. So yeah. I, I think there's there's actually a really interesting I think I think parallel in scripture. I love you it. and I talked about this a little bit, but if you if you go back to Daniel one, right, and you think about Daniel one, and uh, in Daniel one we all know the story of of Daniel refusing to eat the meat, uh, eat the essentially eat the. Uh, um, King's, King's food. food, right? And he he chooses he chooses to uh, um, not eat the king's food. It says that Daniel resolved um, not to defile himself. Okay, that's the the language there. And if you actually look at that word that the ESV renders defile, it's not the word for ceremonially unclean. If you look at a lot of pastors who preach through this passage, or you look at your average kind of person who's understanding this. A lot of them would think that the reason Daniel and his friends rejected the king's food um, was because they it was not kosher, and so it was against God's law. It was trying to give them, you know, um, non you know non uh, non kosher food. But I think it's it's very interesting. Um, a couple of things. Number number one, if you look at, I'm just trying to pull up uh, pull up Daniel here. Uh, I'm going to go to Daniel one. I see. This is why we should prep for our episodes, Chris. 
Well, we did, but we prepped for a totally yeah, different that's topic. True. That's true. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. So in Daniel chapter one, you get this, this is interesting in verse. So it's Daniel eight that says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. So a lot of people come along and they think, oh, defile, that must mean, you know, um, that he, he would make himself ceremonially unclean because um, he's eating forbidden animals or forbidden, they, there must be pork or it must not be prepared kosher or whatever. But it's interesting because he also, he, he not only rejected the king's food, but also the king's wine. And there's nothing in the, in the dietary laws about wine. But on top of that, the word in the in the Pentateuch um, that God uses when it talks about being defiled when you would eat unclean animals, um, it's it's a different word. the The word here for defiled is not that word. So in the in the law of God, when it says if you eat an unclean animal, you will become unclean. That word is not what Daniel is referring to here to not be defiled, which means it doesn't have anything to do with being unclean by because of eating unclean animals. So what does it have to do with? Well, jump back to, to verse five. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Okay, so the king assigned them a daily portion of the food. So think about that language. You could actually literally render um, the, this is still in Hebrew at this time. It, it switches to um, uh, Aramaic in, in chapter two, but this is still in Hebrew. And the Hebrew could literally be rendered this way. And the king appointed for, for them provision daily according to its day from the king's abundance. That's literally how the, the Hebrew reads there. The, this language is very, very rare in scripture, but it seems to be borrowed from Leviticus 23 about the appointed feasts in worship to Yahweh. And it also aligns with Exodus 16 when God appoints a daily portion of manna, enough for that day. And also in 1 Kings 8, when God answers prayers according to the needs of each day. So I say all that to say what this was about in rejecting the king's food was by taking the king's portion, his daily provision, it would be saying that the king is Daniel's provider. The king is Daniel's Jehovah Jireh, right? The God who provides. And, and I think that Daniel defi- uh, chose not to defile himself because he would be saying something of Nebuchadnezzar that is only true of God. And that is that he is his daily provider. He is his Jehovah Jireh. And, and that's why he chose to not to defile himself. So I, I just all that, let's back up and just say it this way. Daniel was under no obligation to reject the king's food. It wasn't prohibited food, but Daniel understood that if he ate that king's food, he would be lying about who the king was and who God was. Because by doing so, he would be saying, the king is provide, provides my daily provision. Whereas the God, law of God reminds us that God provides us our daily provision. So because of how that language is structured, I think what Daniel and his friends were, were fighting against was the, they didn't want to lie about the world that they lived in. God is the only true provider, not the king of Babylon. So I just say that to say those who would get vaccinated against their own conscience, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, against their own conscience, simply because they want to travel, they don't want to lose their job, is essentially lying about the world that they live in. Because it is to say that the government has the authority and has the ability to tell you what you must do in this regard with your own body, with the temple of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. So I, I think Daniel provides for us a model of what resistance looks like, not necessarily resistance because it's obligated by God's law, but resistance because to not resist would be to not tell the truth about the world around us. And I, I think there is also something to be said. I know you're big on this, Chris, so I'll, I'll, I'll punt this over to you in just a second. Um, there is something to be said about just being different for the sake of standing out. Absolutely. Um, the, the Bible calls us a holy priesthood. Like we're a set apart people. God is holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart, right? So um, part of what I think Daniel is doing there is he's setting him and his people apart from the rest of the king's men. 
because like he still did all the training, but he like they did all the things. And I think part of why they reject the king's the king's food, just like you're saying, you take the king's coin, you become the king's man. So he rejected it from that aspect, but also to be set apart so that the people of God would be viewed differently than the world around them. Right. Like we are um, we are to be different people than than our neighbors. You shouldn't look like the guy you go golfing with every single week. There should be noticeable life differences between you and him. And so like one of the things I think like um, with this coerced virus thing, the vaccine thing is one of the reasons I won't take it is simply to be set apart. Be like, no, because like you're saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I trust in God's sovereignty for my health, my welfare, including if I lose my job, including if my wife loses my job and I lose my house and I end up living in Nate's basement. Um, oh boy. <laughs> we're about to move so we'll have a bigger basement so you can yeah you can do that yeah yeah probably probably wouldn't do could just because of friendship but i mean like um but i mean like it's one of those things where it's like um ch- choosing to go against my con- my conscience just to per- just to continue to make money can continue to do all these things to stay employed is basically saying i don't trust god with all of those things in my life um, which also means that I think that God didn't provide my house in the first place, that he didn't provide my um, current job. He didn't provide all these things for a purpose in, in this, in this time at the, at the, at the first part. Um, so I think it's, I think it's right and holy and right and good for a Christian who's feels this way to then set themselves, set, 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 yeah, set themselves apart. Like Daniel did. I'm running out of words here is what That's I'm, okay. is what's happening. Um, I, I opened up my, I opened up my, uh, my Bible software here and, uh, um, just reminding myself, it's been several, uh, it's been a while since I preached through Daniel, but, um, it's interesting. So that word that's translated defile, like I said, it's not the word for being ceremonially unclean. Interestingly, it's the Hebrew word get all which is G-A apostrophe A-L, which actually means to be redeemed. Um, compare that with Goel, which is um, the, uh, the word that's used for kinsman redeemer um, in, uh, in the book of Ruth. So Gaal is the word um, to, to be redeemed, which means literally what Daniel was saying is he chose not to be redeemed by the king right? Because, because God is his redeemer. And I think that's really important as well here, because what we're essentially saying through this is we allow the government to swoop in as the savior of the coronavirus and, and vaccinate all of us and, and save everybody. Um, I do think that there is something to be said. And, and look, I've heard those, those arguments, and I think they're silly to say like, oh, yeah, you trust in God's sovereignty, then why do you put on a seatbelt? If we're, I mean, if we really want to compare a seatbelt, now I, I actually don't think that there should be seatbelt laws, but that's a whole other story, and that's uh, that's Nate's libertarian slant. Um, but uh, my, the, and, and I think there's a there's a a good case to be made uh, from God's law that there shouldn't be seatbelt laws, but that's that's besides the point. Um, but I, I do think that there is something different. I think anybody who can't see that there is a difference between rushing out a vaccine and, and waiting on the vaccine to be our savior, um, right? And even using that language, I, I get that it's, it's um, inflammatory language, but that is the point. The point is, is that if you are trusting in the vaccine to save you, I've, I've actually seen some pastors who, there's a, there's a pastor out in Calgary. He was actually um, one of the mentors for a guy who comes to our church now. Um, who has implemented vaccinated and unvaccinated services. There's lots of other uh, churches in our area that are talking about whether or not they go to vaccinated and unvaccinated services. You might as well just call those services the Jew service and the Gentile service, right? Like, I mean, have you not read the book of Galatians? Have you not read Ephesians 2? This is, this is completely inappropriate. And, uh, and yet I, I don't think that our Christians or, and even our pastors are thinking biblically through this because all their they've 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 relegated to the state um all you know the the state is the great physician right that the state is the great healer um and so, go ahead yeah so i um i like i want to throw a question at you because one of the things that i keep hearing is that um you know 
I'll, I'll, I'll cave here because it's not a gospel issue. You know, the, yeah, the vaccine yeah. isn't a gospel issue. So how right. would you respond to somebody who says, well, you know what, this isn't, this isn't the time to draw the line. This isn't the, the fight to have because this isn't a gospel issue. I'll, I'll stand up and be counted when they come to take away our Bibles. Okay, so I have three responses to that. You like how I just John Piper that? Like he always seems to have three points right off the bat. Okay. Yeah. So I got now, three if they start with the same, if they start with the same letter, you're a Baptist. So. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, so okay. So number one, when I'm thinking through that, I'm thinking, okay, number one, what is your line in the sand? Because every fight in the last year and a half, if people have said, this isn't a hill to die on, this isn't the fight, this isn't the time to stand up, this isn't my line in the sand. My question is, is there a line in the sand for you? Have you defined it? And you, it's not enough just to say, oh, when they, when they tell me not to preach the gospel, I would just say, do you really think that the enemy is so silly as to think that there's going to be a law passed by the, the federal government that says, thou shalt not preach the Christian gospel? Like, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous to think that our enemy is so stupid. Paul calls the schemes of the enemy schemes because they are meant to be deceptive. So I think that's just, you know, do you actually have a line? Number two, I think courage begets courage and cowardice begets cowardice. I think that when, when people continually shrink away from fights because they think they're either saving their relational capital, their social capital, their cultural capital, or they're just saving, you know, their whatever for the time when it's really necessary. I think they're going to be trying to draw on strength that they have not cultivated, right? At the end of the day, you take martial arts or you take self-defense classes so that when you're attacked, you can defend yourself. But you can't expect to know how to defend yourself if you haven't trained for it. And I think... We have way too many Christians who have never sacrificed, who have never displayed courage, who don't even share the gospel with their neighbors because they're too afraid of what their neighbors are going to think, as if they believe that they're going to have any courage left or any courage cultivated when it actually matters. Okay, so that's number two. But here's number three. You don't think that who owns your body is a gospel issue? (laughs) I mean... Just think about that. I mean, we're not talking about getting a vaccine or not getting a vaccine. We're talking about whether or not the the civil authority has the authority to put something in your body that you don't want. And maybe you do want it, but that your neighbor doesn't want, that your sister doesn't want, that your brother doesn't want, that your mother doesn't want. And you're, you're saying that the civil, author- the civil government has the authority to do it anyways, you're talking about ownership. So this is a gospel issue because God is the great creator. He owns everything and everything will give an account to him. And he has delegated his authority to, to proper uh, spheres of authority. And, and if you don't think that this is a, goes to a gospel issue, I think you're, you're sorely mistaken. Um, so I actually, I actually do think – so, and, and I, I want to be very, very clear. I don't think whether or not you choose to get the vaccine is a gospel issue. Get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. I don't think this is the mark of the beast. Maybe that's another episode for another day because I'm hearing a lot of that. I don't think this is the mark of the beast, Not at least not the capital T mark of the beast. Um, but so I don't think that this is a salvation issue. I don't think this is a gospel issue if you choose to get it. But I do think it's a gospel issue if you think that the civil government has the authority to give somebody a vaccine against their will. Um, I would say like, do you remember back, like I can't remember who said it, was it Churchill who said, I, I may not agree with what you say, sir, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Was that Winston Churchill? I no, I didn't, to be honest with you. Anyway, somebody said that, yes, right? That's what? a famous line. You've heard that before, right? Like, I, I, though I, I, I do not agree with what you say, sir, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. How do we go from that, right? I will defend to the death your right to say so, right? How do we go from that level, that view of freedom, to a view of freedom that says, not only do I disagree with what you say, but I think that the government has the authority to hold you down and stick you with a needle and put chemicals in your body. Like it's just, it's, it's just so backwards how far we've fallen from um, just a, a high view of freedom and even valuing freedom. And I think that people who fought and died for that freedom would be ashamed at how easily and how quickly we're letting it go. Yeah, funny, funny thing about that quote. I just looked it up while, while you were talking. Yeah, he was, was actually hoping. 
he was actually an enemy of the church. It was Voltaire who famously <laughs> said, yeah, yeah, that's like, right. we all know what he said, right? Yeah, um, that's interesting. So I, I, I want to, so my, my, my good friend, our good friend of the podcast here, Joe Boot had something, I, I just think it was dynamite to say, he tweeted this out a little while ago, I shared it on Facebook and, and a few other places, but he said this, he said, freedom is a very fragile God-given blessing. It has been the historical exception, not the rule. Most people for most of history have lived under tyranny. We either return to Christ and a scriptural worldview or we shall stumble and fall into a dark, despotic era. Amen, Joe. Like, I think people forget that tyranny and oppression are the historical norms, not freedom. And I think the, the fact that so many people are so eager to impute authority to the government that they don't have simply to save them from a virus. I think what it actually shows is that our culture is absolutely crippled with a fear of death. Yeah. Like think, absolutely crippled. Yeah. You're, you're, you're bang on. Um, and what's, what's also so funny about that is that, um, isn't it funny that before all this came, what was the big rallying cry was to forget, basically to forget history. And so like before a lot of this stuff happened over the last five years, a lot of the big things that have been like tear down statues, which I realized happened last year as well. But I mean, like forget rewrite history, forget like cancel um, basically like teaching history and things like that throughout time. And what, what I'm seeing now is like now when we have an entire human history that is based on people becoming tyrants and, and dominating over people, we live in a country that we think we're more enlightened than the rest of history. We think we're well. We're we would never turn back to the to the way it was in World War II. We would never turn back to the way it was in the 1700s. We would never go back the way it was in the 1200s because we're so much smarter than that. Right. But yet we we forget what has come before. We forget that as you started this the podcast talking about that man is depraved. Yeah. That people who get power we're all bad people. You know what I mean? So like without without Christ giving us a new heart, our hearts are wicked and deceitful. Yeah. And we'll go further and further, like Romans one says, we'll be de- we'll be given up to our sin. We'll take it too far, even for the greater good. Air quotes. Um, right. But it's funny that we we forget what has come before in history. What that means is we're doomed to repeat it. Yet we seem to think because we have such a fear of death that we wouldn't rally around to stop what's happening happening now. I'm just it just blows my mind, Nate. It blows totally. My mind. No, I, I I totally agree with you. I think that's I think that's dead on. All right. Well, I think we've ranted and raved about vaccine passports long enough since we didn't plan on even talking about it. Um, but uh, next week and the week after, we actually have uh, some ideas for, for a couple of podcasts. And, uh, and that is, um, how now shall we live, right? How now shall the church live? We want to talk about, you know, not just about what's going on in the world, but how should Christians live in light of that? Um, so we did talk a little bit about that today in terms of resisting these pa- passport vaccines. We want to say just like, what should your family be doing? How should you be spending your days and your evenings? Like, what should you prioritize in the coming year? As we're going to talk about next time, and then the time after that, we're going to kind of talk about what should churches be doing during this time. Last thing I want to say is I would just say anybody um, specifically in Canada who is for um, um, finding um, uh, uh, coercion and, and mandates from their uh, employers, I would go to Liberty uh, libertycoalitioncanada.com. Uh, if you go there, you'll see it's right on the front page there. There's a link that talks about how to resist vaccine coercion. And it actually has, you know, step one, step two, step three, uh, option A, option B, option C. It has um, a letter that you can sign. I think there's about, uh, at the time of recording this, about 7,500 signat- signatures on that. Um, so there is some some resources there for you. I'd also just say that um, the other thing you can do, and, and there's reasons to maybe not do exemptions, because I think that still tells the government that they have authority or your employer that they have authority over your, bo- your body. And so asking them for an exemption, I think maybe is not a good long-term strategy. Uh, but for those of you who um, would rather just do it that way, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, I would encourage you to reach out to your pastor. And if your pastor won't write you a religious exemptions letter, contact uh, contact a church and a pastor who will. Um, so just some practical advice for those. And we'll put those links in the show notes for those who want to go and, and check out some of that stuff. Um, you want to sign us out, Chris, anything else you want to say? 
Yeah, just gonna say, you want to write me one of those letters? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I got one on church letterhead that's ready to go. I just got, I got bare bones template. I just got to change the names. Beauty, beauty. Yeah. No, no, that's great. I, we should just call this one the time that we ranted. Yeah. Um, so what's yeah. all good? Uh, um, uh, an hour long pooty rant. Hey, that'll probably get people to listen. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Right. no, that's great. Have a great one, man. All right, yeah, you too. Take care, man. We'll see you all next week.